0: mm <laughs> Frozen um, is the highest-grossing animated movie ever. $1.2 billion it made at the box office. Now, that's $1.2 billion with a B. It was, uh, up until just a couple of years ago, the fifth-highest-grossing grossing movie of all time. Which kind of leads to the question, how can a, a movie that's basically done completely on a computer screen be so compelling that it could generate $1.2 billion in sales? And I think the, the answer to the question is, is really simple. I think it's because of the story that it tells. You see, Frozen is now, despite... Okay, disclaimer. Not my favorite movie. Um, the first time I watched it, I decided I would just like watch it without all the music. And I watched the whole movie like in 17 minutes. And I didn't realize like the whole movie, you know, it's a, it's you know, it's a song. And I've been to the Frozen experience at Disney, and in stereo, had people singing all around me. Not my favorite movie, but with that said, it it tells a very very compelling story, a very compelling story, and the story it tells is a story of of sacrifice, of love, and reconciliation. That's the story. So in other words, it's a story of reconciliation driven by sacrificial love. I think that's why people are drawn to Frozen. I think, yeah, you like the music and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I think that's the reason why. It's about reconciliation, driven by sacrificial love. And the truth is, if we're honest, that's our story. That's the story of Christmas. I mean, that's, you know, we just spent a month talking about the birth of Jesus and his arrival in Bethlehem and how it changed the world and love came into the world. It's God's love story. It's the beginning of his love story. Uh, His arrival is kind of the, the thing that holds all of human history together. It's kind of the linchpin of the whole thing. But at the end of the day, the arrival of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, everything about Jesus is a story of reconciliation driven by sacrificial love. Because that's true, this is what I know. I know his story gives meaning to our story. So, I think I shared this this week. I don't remember if I did it or not Sunday. But when I, we lived in Elberton. We actually lived in Dewey Rose. And drive in the, I drove eight miles in the town and eight miles out to go home every day. And there was this bridge I would cross every day. And every day when I was driving in, when I hit that bridge, I would say to God, I'm nothing without you. And every day, when I or in some form or fashion, and every day when I came home, because that was pretty much the only way to get home, was drive over this bridge, when I crossed the bridge, I would say, I'm nothing without you. And that's because my story is driven by the fact that Jesus loved me so much, He wanted to reconcile me with His Father in Heaven. The only way for that to be possible was for Him to come to earth. And so the question now we have to ask ourselves is, so we had Christmas, and Christmas is great. Now, some people are sad to see Christmas go. Some people are pretty excited to see Christmas go. It just depends on who you are and how you're wired and and all that kinds of good stuff. But the the worst thing we can do is leave the baby in Bethlehem and just go on about our business. So the real question we have to ask ourselves is, what do we do moving forward? What do we do with the arrival of Jesus, knowing the life that he's going to live for us? What do we do? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look in John's Gospel. Uh, excuse me, in 1 John, not John's Gospel. In 1 John, we see these words. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Gospel of John tells us that our story goes like this. In the beginning, Jesus, because that's the Word, Existed. That That's our story. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. In the beginning, He was present, actively involved in creation. He has always been. And then in verse 14, it tells us the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, Jesus became flesh and blood so that we could be reconciled. So His arrival in the world is a story of reconciliation driven by... Sacrificial love. Now, in the movie, Anna does not set out to save her sister. If, if if you've seen Frozen, you know that it's kind of an what the scene we just saw was kind of a last ditch effort. She didn't intend to do that. And 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 if you kind of study human history and you kind of study current events, we know that people all the time who did not wake up saying, you know, today I think I'm going to sacrifice myself for somebody will give themselves up to save somebody. I remember years and years ago when that plane gra- uh, crashed into the Hudson River, that guy that, that uh, jumped into the river and, and saved countless lives, cost him his life. Now, when he woke up, he didn't say, you know what, today I think I'm going to jump into a frozen river and save a bunch of people. It's just kind of how it worked. And that's kind of how this story works. And sometimes when we see something coming and we know we don't, well, I don't really want to do that, we go out of our way not to do it, right? I mean, sometimes we see something coming and we go, I, I just don't think I'm going to do that. So last week at Disney, uh, we were there last a week ago Friday and spending the day and hanging out. And I went in to get a snack and I was walking out, eating my Rice Krispie Marshmallow Chocolate Covered snack, which is a lot better than I can even describe it. It was awesome. And I saw this mannequin. And there was this T-shirt, and I said, man, that's a good-looking T-shirt. And and I said, I, you know, I wonder what that shirt, and so I started walking over to the mannequin to see what the T-shirt is. Now, I don't know about you, but this is what I do. When I see a shirt on a mannequin, I'll walk up, I'll grab it, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of say, I wonder, you know. So I'm walking up to the mannequin, and the mannequin moved. Because the mannequin was not a mannequin, it was a man. And I'm going to tell you, it was a big dude who looked like a mannequin. And I'm guessing when I went up put my hand on his chest and start grabbing his sleeves, he was going to slug me. So I'm really glad that I didn't walk up and grab that guy and start pulling at his shirt, okay? And then I realized that there's no mannequins in Disney. I didn't know. Sometimes we do something by accident. Sometimes we do something heroic by accident. Sometimes we avoid doing something that's painful because we don't, want to avoid, we don't want to deal with the pain. But Jesus was different. Jesus knew everything that he would face. So consider this. Consider that Jesus knew in the beginning when the heavens and earth were created that there was waiting for him one day a cross. He knew it. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and, and we go through Genesis chapter 1, Jesus knew right then and there that a cross was waiting for him. He knew the pain that he was going to suffer. He knew the humiliation. He knew the heart. He knew everything. He knew when he was walked around and he was fully God and fully man, which we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, that there was a cross waiting for him. He knew when he picked 12 guys to follow him, to hang out with him, that all those guys would desert him. He still picked him. He knew that one of those guys would betray him, and he still picked him. And he knew that one of those guys would deny so fiercely that he knew who Jesus was that he would li- literally, uh, this, this Jewish curse was kind of where you call the curse of hell is what it's called. And, and Peter called that curse on himself. He just so fiercely wanted the people to know he didn't have anything to do with Jesus. Jesus knew when he marched into Jerusalem on a Sunday that all the people were screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna by the end of the week, the same people will be screaming, crucify him. Jesus knew everything that he would face. Everything. And still, he came. Which leads to the question, why? When we are so accustomed to avoiding pain at all costs, if we knew how our life would play out, my my gut tells me that most of us if we knew what would happen how bad some things would be we would go to all extremes to avoid those bad things so why would Jesus give his life for us that, that, that's the question this is what he says in John chapter 10 he says he's talking about his sacrifice he says no one takes it he's talking about his life no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. So, why did he do that? That's the question. Why, why, why did he do that? So he chose to give his life for us, and the answer is really, really simple. The answer is love. The answer is love. And this is what he says about that in 1 John chapter 4. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God. This is important. This is real love. Not that we have loved God, but that God He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So, why did Jesus come into the world? Why did Jesus, knowing exactly what He would face, why did He come? He loved us that much. God loved us so much, He allowed His Son to leave heaven, come to earth, and suffer for us. Jesus loved us so much that knowing what he would face, he faced it anyway. The Bible calls this atonement. That's what the Bible calls it. The Bible calls it atonement. And so I want, to, I want you to understand how atonement works. Because the word reconciliation, it's the same thing. It's atonement. So this is the story of atonement. In the beginning, God created a perfect garden. And it was beautiful. And there was Adam, and there was Eve, and they hung out with God. They talked with God. God hung out with them. They had this. They had conversations about whatever people in God talked about. And I think sometimes we look at the events of the Garden of, uh, of Eden and we go, you know, uh, that probably didn't last very long. So I want you to consider this. And the Bible doesn't say this. This is Jay's opinion right now, okay, just so we're clear. Because I know it takes us a long time to mess things up, imagine the possibility that they were in the Garden of of, of Eden for decades. When you consider how old Adam was when when his first child was born, they had to spend a lot of time in the Garden. They spent a lot of time and a lot of years talking with God, hanging out with God, and in the Garden Hebrews talks about this covenant that was made between God and humanity. And the covenant was made through Adam and Eve, but it was for all people. And the way the covenant worked was something like this. As long as we're together, it's all good. But whoever breaks the covenant, they would have to pay the price. And the price required for the covenant would be blood. And so atonement is when you take two things that are divided and you put them back together because they were never supposed to be divided in the first place. So atonement basically is when you put back together something that should never have been taken apart. Never should our relationship with God have been severed. It was not God's intent. It was not even Adam and Eve's intent. It was not our intent, but it was. Blood had to be shed. The offending party, which was humanity, had to shed blood. But the problem was that even if human blood was shed, atonement could not be made. The price could not be paid. And so the story of Christmas, the story of the cross, the story of Jesus, the story of John 3, 16, is God loved us so much he sent Jesus into the world, who was, and this is the important thing, we always talk about it at Christmas, he's fully God and he's fully man, and that's really important. Because the way He redeemed us is because He was fully man. So God redeemed the covenant by sending His Son who was absolutely 100% God and absolutely 100% a human being. That's atonement. That's reconciliation. That's reconciliation driven by sacrificial love. That's why Jesus came. That's why the baby was born in Bethlehem. That's why He grew up. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he did it on purpose, with purpose. He came to reconcile two parties that never should have been divided. That's my story. And if you're a Christian, that's your story. And if you know someone who's not a Christian, that's not their story. Not yet, but it can be. We talk about, I've talked about this uh, a bunch. We're going to talk about this more Easter. But here's what you need to know. Here it is, really simple. Jesus could have saved himself. Or he could have saved us. But he had to make a choice. Reconciliation, atonement required a sacrifice. And the only way that we could be saved was that Jesus had to choose us. And he did. He chose you and he chose me and he chose us knowing that we would reject him that we would rebel against him that we would be ungrateful he chose us understanding that we would be a broken mess he chose us understanding that we would, that we would despise him but still he chose us that's the story of atonement reconciliation driven by sacrificial love And the only way we can be here tonight is because Jesus gave His life for us. Jesus willingly, sacrificially, and lovingly gave His life for us. So, if you find yourself facing uncertainty in the days ahead, you can rest in the fact that Jesus gave His life for you. If you have a friend and you're like, man, they're just, you know, is there there such thing as so lost that you're too lost, that there's no hope? You can be rest assured that there's no such thing as too lost. There's no distance that's too far where people cannot be redeemed in Christ. Because Jesus gave his life for us. Here's the question This is the question as we leave Christmas and head into 2019, which we are there now. Here's the question you need to start asking yourself. Here's the question you need to answer. With this: How will you respond to the sacrificial love of Jesus in 2019? He's reconciled us. He's saved us. He's atoned us. He's brought us back together. He's united us with His Father in Heaven. So what's going to change? What's, what's going to be the same? How will we respond to the Reconciliation driven by sacrificial love? That's the question. Lord, we are um, grateful that despite the mess we've made of our life, despite our shortcomings and flaws, sounds like a really nice word that covers up how just how messed up we really are. And sometimes we just try so hard to get it right and we just mess up. And sometimes we just feel so guilty because we don't feel unworthy. And the truth is, before the cross we were unworthy. But because of the cross, because of Jesus' sacrifice, because he reconciled us and loved us so much, we are worthy. We are holy. We have hope. We can experience grace. We can experience mercy. We can know what peace is. We can know what joy is. The arrival of Christ in our world changed our story. And all you want to do is change us. So I pray that you will help us to determine ourselves, to resolve ourselves To stand for you, with you. To love people who are just a little more broken than we are. Because lost is lost and broken is broken. And your desire is to redeem us. We're grateful for the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.